Psalm 19, Lord, may the words of the mouths that speak and preach today be acceptable in your sight, and may the meditations of the millions that worship on this day, may your Spirit bring God's words and promises straight to their hearts, and may we indeed walk in newness of life because we have been in your presence. In our Lord's name, amen. Let me share with you Acts 17. When Paul and Silas, on their missionary journey, had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to the great city of Thessalonica. And in that city there was a large Jewish synagogue. As Paul's custom was, he went straight to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, And for three consecutive weekends on the Sabbath day, he taught them from the Scripture. Specifically, he explained and proved that Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead, that his was not an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly kingdom. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you in the synagogue is the Christ. Now, some of the Jews in Thessalonica were moved by his words, persuaded by the Spirit, and they joined Paul and Silas in the Christian faith. A large number of God-fearing Gentiles and a large number of prominent women in the city of Thessalonica, they became Christian. But there were many Jews in the city who were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, And those bad characters formed a mob, and the mob started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other Christians before the city officials, and they said, These men have turned the world upside down. They have caused trouble all over the world, and they have now come to our city. They have turned the world upside down. There is a word, disturb. It can be used in one of two ways. It can be used in a very negative sense. The doctor's diagnosis pertaining to my health has greatly disturbed me. I do not sleep well, and my days are robbed of joy. The news from the boss that the company is being bought out and that our jobs might be in jeopardy has disturbed me greatly. My peace is gone. That is one use of the word disturb. There is another use of the words, a very positive one. God disturbing our lives' patterns to change who we are, to enable us to walk in a new life, and to have a different perception of everything that happens in our life. His name was unknown. 
He was narcissistic to the nth degree. What he wanted, he got. He goes to his father on that day in the New Testament, Luke 15. Says to his father, you're not going to die for a long time. I need my inheritance money now. And his father, knowing his son well, knowing it would do no sense to argue with him, he said, that's fine, here's your money. And the boy heads far, far away. I wish the Bible would let us know how long it took him to run through all the money. Was it a matter of months? Was it a matter of two or three years? Wine, women, and song, and all the money is gone. He is homeless. His friends have all left him because he has nothing left. And they're tired of him asking them for money. And when he is brought down to nothing, the disturbance that has happened now to him that his money is all gone, God comes and disturbs him to this point. He begins to look at a man with respect that he had never looked at with respect before. He begins to look to home. His brother is there. He knows what his brother's going to say. But he looks at his father. And in in a humility that he has never had in his life, he says, if I go back, my father is a kind man. He will make me one of his servants. At least I will have food and a place to shelter me. God took a disturbance in this man's life. And by the time God was through with that disturbance, we have an individual walking in newness of life. This boy was 17. He's in the Old Testament, right around Genesis 30. His name is Joseph. He has 11 brothers. But if you looked at his father Jacob, you would think he only had one son. Because this 17-year-old is pampered by his father to such an extent that the brothers have grown to hate him. His father makes him a robe of many colors, and any word of praise that comes out of dad's mouth is directed to this boy. His head had gotten so large. He says to his brothers, I had a dream, you're going to bow down and worship me. He says to his parents, I had a dream, you're going to bow down and worship me. And on that day when he goes out to see his brothers, they see him coming, they say, this is our chance. They throw him into the well. They discuss how they're going to kill him put blood on his robe and bring it back to his father with some story about a wild animal. God spares the boy, Joseph. God says there's so much talent in this young man. Slave traders come. They buy the boy. He gets to Egypt. So much talent does he have that Within three years, at age 20, he's in charge of Potiphar's house and all of his property. Potiphar's wife brings up false charges, ends up in prison for seven years. 
And while he's in prison, he has so much talent and ability. He prays to God. God puts him in charge of that prison. He's the chief steward of the warden. And 20 years later, he's second in command of Pharaoh himself. And they're coming from all over the world to get food from Joseph. God disturbed his life. If you call being in a pit, listening to your brothers talk about how they're going to kill you, if you describe that as disturbance, God disturbed his life. And when the slave traders come and when he's in prison and all the rest of it, God disturbed his life. And by the time God's disturbance is finished, you have the bulletin cover happening in his life. Everything has changed. The humility is there. The understanding, everything's come from God. God allows disturbances caused by Satan. And by the time God is through with Satan's disturbances, there is not evil, there is good. There is not anger towards God. There is a deeper understanding that one has ever had because of the disturbance that you and I went through. His name was Zacchaeus. One of the wealthiest men in the city. He has been disturbed for quite some time. He looks at all his money, looks at the size of his mansion, he looks at all the chariots and horses he has, and he looks in the mirror and he says, Zacchaeus, you ought to be a happy man because you have more than 99% of the people on, in this city. You ought to be a happy man. And Zacchaeus would look at himself in the mirror and he would say, I have no joy in my life. All I have is emptiness. The guy from Nazareth comes. Zacchaeus climbs that sycamore tree. I guess you would do that if you're four foot ten or five foot tall, you climb the sycamore tree. And Jesus looks at him and he says, Zacchaeus, I know who you are. Let us spend time this evening in your mansion. And by the time Zacchaeus comes out of that dialogue with Jesus, he is so disturbed in a positive sense that he marches outside of his house, a crowd gathers, and he says to them, half of what I have I'm going to give to the poor. And if I cheated any of you out of anything, and he's probably looking at the eyes of like about 20 people there. If I cheated you, Sam, out of anything, if I cheated you, Joseph, out of anything, you come to my house because I'm going to pay it back four times. God disturbs. When disturbances in your life are evil, it is Satan, James 1.13. God disturbs that we might have a better understanding, that we might walk in newness of life. Romans 5.3, St. Paul put it this way, 
I'll rejoice when the disturbance comes. Because when suffering comes, I develop perseverance in my faith. And when the disturbance comes, not only do I have perseverance in my faith, but I develop a different character, more compassionate, more merciful character. And when disturbance comes, I learn what hope is. If there's no storm, there's no hope. Hope is a word that can only exist if you're in a negative arena in your life. Hope blooms from storms. And the hope comes as God and His Spirit work an understanding that His promises are true, that His death on the cross and His resurrection gain for you more things than you could ever imagine, things worth more than any money on this earth. Perseverance in faith, change in one's character, and hope above all else in the promises that God has given. Luke chapter 4, Jesus said, I might as well start now because it's going to happen soon enough. And on that particular day, two years into his ministry, he stands up in the synagogue and he says to the Jews that are gathered there, God has come for the Gentiles. And he hears the murmurs. And he sees their faces. He continues on. He said, let me tell you about a story about a Gentile woman who when the prophet Elijah came and requested food, she fed him even though she had only one day's left of meal. And one day left of oil, the Gentile woman fed him, and God blessed her because she watched over the prophet Elijah. He heard them murmuring louder. He heard them turn to each other. He saw the looks on their faces. Did he stop? No. Told another story. He said the great enemy of the Israelites were the Assyrians, their commander was named Naaman, 2 Kings 4. And Naaman had leprosy. And a servant girl who was a Christian said to Naaman's servant, you tell him to go to the prophet Elijah. And that individual was healed of leprosy. He was a Gentile and God healed him. And the Jews in the synagogue heard enough. They were so disturbed that they went to Jesus in order to kill him. But the Bible says he walked invisibly through their presence. Jesus disturbs. He's in that line of business. But he disturbs in order to bring peace. Matthew eleven twenty eight. If you have any burden, if you have any disturbance, bring it to me. 
place it in my lap by the means of prayer, leave it in my lap and walk away, and I will give you peace as you walk away from the disturbance that has brought you to me. He was so disturbed by the demon, not just one, but by a legion of demons that had settled in him. He was so disturbed, and the people were so frightened of him, that they had banished him to an island. They did not kill him as dangerous as he was. No prison cells could hold him. He would scream in the night. He would cut himself with stones and knives. They didn't kill him, though he was demon-possessed. They were afraid the demons would come into them. But they banished him to an island. And I don't know if he was his nephew or his niece when Jesus comes to that city and they tell him about their uncle out there on the island. Jesus, I can imagine, says, I've heard about him. I've heard his screams in the night. And he gets in the boat and he goes out to the island and he stands in front of the man. Mark 1.24, in this particular case, he stands in front of a demon-possessed man. And the man says, why have you come, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? We know you are the Holy One of God. I don't know if this man said that to him. But Jesus speaks to the legions of demons in this man, and they leave him. Because the power of God is stronger than the power of Satan, they leave him. And this man becomes normal. The demons go into a herd of pigs, 2,000 of them, and they drown themselves in the sea. But this man who was possessed, He turns to Jesus and he said, I want to be number 13. Jesus said, number 13, what he said, I want to be your 13th disciple. I'm going to go with you wherever you go. You know what Jesus said to him? He said, the disturbance in your life caused by Satan was so powerful that everyone knows your story. You live in the area of the Decapolis. There are ten cities here. If you come with me, no one knows who you are. If you stay here, and if you tell them what I have done, and if they see it with their own eyes, you will win more people for the kingdom in this place than if you are with me for 50 years. That's what the man did. The disturbance in his life that was disturbed by Jesus, that was healed by Jesus, is used to make him one of the most extraordinary witnesses in the Bible. Along with the woman at Sychar's well, along with the thief on the cross. Extraordinary witness for his Lord. Those who had lost the 2,000 pigs, they were disturbed. They said, Jesus, you ruined our economy. 
be gone. And so it is. This individual gets cancer. He runs straight to God. The disturbance has brought him to God. This person's been a Christian for 20 years. The cancer comes. He shakes his fist at God. And he says, how dare you allow this disturbance to come into my life? It's not automatic, your bulletin cover, it's not automatic that you walk in newness of life. It is a working of the third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit comes, He invades the disturbances that come into my life and yours. And by the time the Holy Spirit has done His work, we pray one thing. We pray that we are drawn so close to Him. Do you like chains? If you're awake out there and I ask you, do you like chains? Nope. There we go, man. Okay. So if I ask you whether you like chains, you know, 95% of you would say, nope, don't like chains. And if you're Lutheran, then 99% of you would say, nope, don't like chains. It's going to come anyway. Going to come anyway. In the world in which God has placed us, constant flux and chains. Nothing remains the same, not from one day to the next, not from one week to the next, certainly not from one year to the next. Fashions change, prices change, technology changes, our personal interests change, family structures change, economy changes, our job changes, our earthly safety nets change, the way we worship changes. How we get from one place to the next changes. No one writes letters anymore, it's email or text. There's one typewriter company left in this country. The computers have done their work. If you're attached to some sports team, their fortunes change always. Passing days, months, and years say to you and me, it's time for new adventures. God said to the Israelites in the Old Testament, you have dwelt long enough on this mountain. Strike your tents. Move on to other territory. But never lose sight of the fact that wherever you go, you'll not get away from me. Wherever you go, I'll be with you. You're heading into retirement. New territory. God's with you. You're heading off to high school in the the fall. New territory. God's with you. You're starting your new job in two weeks. Tony, good luck. God is with you. You're recovering from a broken relationship. You don't know if you'll ever heal. You will. Because God is with you in the disturbance. You lost your job a month ago. You've gone through three interviews. You feel it's close. God's with you in the disturbance. He already knows what lies there. 
You've dwelt long enough on the mountain. Strike your tents, move to a new territory. I talked a number of years ago about bucket lists. I'm almost done, all right? Talked a year, years ago about bucket lists, okay? So climb the mountain and jump out of the airplane and, and do the 5K or the half marathon. You're never too old. I'm not looking at anyone in particular. You're never too old. I also said bucket list in the spiritual realm. Okay? We had no... We never encouraged joining a small group during COVID, that's for sure. Now we will. If you are new to this congregation and you're wondering how you can get to know other people, I beg you, I will send Nettie after you. For you to join a small group, no better way. New territory, spiritual bucket list. Spiritual bucket list, is join the choir. Come on June 14th. Jason will teach you handbells. Volunteer, teach Sunday school. Do something. Spiritual bucket list. I'm going to come back to church. Sitting here worshiping online in my bathrobe and with my coffee. That's really comfortable. But I need to get dressed up, jump in the car, and come on back. Spiritual bucket list. You want a mighty one? God's Word. Someone said to me last week, I, they said, Which, uh, where should I start? I said, get a devotion book. Sarah Young, David Jeremiah, get a devotion book. Look at the verse that houses the devotion. Read the 20 verses prior to that verse. Read the 20 verses after that verse. Write some notes about the verse that you're reading. And then when you've prayed over it, when you've tried to memorize it, then read what the devotion says. Read the insight the person who wrote it has to say about it. And I said, you have two or three devotion books that you're looking at every day. Within 18 months, you'll have gone through the Bible, except for perhaps for Leviticus and Numbers. You will have gone through the Bible. Bucket list in the secular realm... Strike your tent, enter new territory. Bucket list in the spiritual realm. I'm going to read. I'm going to join. And I'm going to tell someone else this week about the Christ who is in me. What He means to me. What He has done. That's all. That's all. When he disturbs you and you get married, when he disturbs your life, and here's the baby, what do we do? When he disturbs you, retirement. Rejoice. He's behind the blessing. When Satan disturbs, you grab hold of 7,000 promises. You realize the one in you, 1 John 4, 4, is stronger than the one in the world. And you say, God, I'm bringing Satan's disturbance to you. And God will say, 
I've already got it covered. Do not be afraid or tremble. The Lord your God is with you. In his name, amen. Would you rise as we pray? Heavenly Father, I've looked at that bulletin cover for about three weeks. Help each of us to walk in newness of life. We do not like changes, but if we have a foundation, namely our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, if we have a foundation that we take with us throughout every change in our life, then nothing really has changed. We watch your hands at work, and we trust you, and we give thanks to you. In our Savior's name, amen.